Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. I had somebody say, I didn't know it was Ugly Sweater Sunday. I didn't know it was Ugly Sweaters, but I, I have my lights. So I'll just uh, I'll turn that down so it doesn't affect anybody. Yeah, nobody has an ugly sweater on. It's festive sweaters. And we didn't even plan it. We just knew that we weren't going to be in church on Christmas Day. And there's sometimes you have to wear stuff, right? I have my, uh, my Christmas socks on. Mustache socks. Uh, I'm not giving those into the sock thing this year. So, but I thought Christmas is always interesting, right? It, it, uh, it brings out a lot of emotions for different people. Uh, always makes me thoughtful. And so I, I thought, I'm going to talk about the wise men today. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm Russ. I am not the pastor here. I'm a part of the preaching team at, uh, in Revelstoke. So we're part of a three-church system that have a campus in Vernon and in Kelowna. And our pastors live there, and uh, I just help out from time to time. So I'm Russ. Welcome to Revelstoke. Hope you're enjoying the snow, and it's warmer than where you live. Uh, my sister is in Whitehorse, and my mom's up there. Uh, it was plus one the other day, and my sister said, just on the rumor that my mom was going to Whitehorse, it dropped to minus 30. <laughs> and it's minus 30 there today. So we're going to talk about the wise men, because uh, I think they're interesting. And they're, I don't think they're the unsung heroes of the Christmas story, but they kind of slide in, and I'm always interested in what the Bible has to say about different people in the Bible. So what's the tradition of the wise men? Right? Three kings or wise men arrive from the east at the stable on the night Jesus was born. That's what we see as a tradition. There's an oral tradition that actually gives them names. Am I, am I ringing? Hello. Uh, so there's an oral tradition that names them. I had never known that they had names until, you know, Google showed me. So uh, Casper, or Gasper, so he wears a green cloak, a gold crown with green jewels, often depicted with a reddish beard. Uh, rep- he represents the king of Sheba or India, depending on where you read. Uh, and he represents the frankincense that br- that's brought to Jesus. Uh, these are trying like Bible names. Malquire? Malquire? He's got long white hair, a white beard, wears a gold cloak. He is considered the oldest of the three, represented as the king of Arabia or Persia, and represents the gold. Belthazar has a black beard, wears a purple cloak, represented as the king of Egypt, and represents the gift of myrrh that was brought to Jesus. So gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? Um, historically, in the Middle Ages, there's churches that have relics of the, of the three wise men. So typically, relics mean, you know, bones, pieces of clothing. Like, and, you know, if you add up all the relics, you probably add up with six bodies, right? Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, because everybody claims something, right? But, uh, but there was apparently traditional um, people had pieces of the, the three wise men. But it's just a tradition, right? Okay, we're just talking about tradition here. So their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold affiliated with, the king, with kings, 
Christmas, we believe, or Christians believe that Jesus is the king of kings, and that's why there's the gold. Frankincense is used in liturgical worship in traditional churches and represented that people would worship and praise Jesus. Myrrh is a fragrance that's embedded on dead bodies to make them smell nice, representing that Jesus would endure persecution resulting in his death. So that's the tradition. I am not traditional. <laughs> I, I like tradition, and I believe tradition has a place, but... Uh, the Magi are still celebrated today in some cultures. Like, we don't really celebrate them. We're, they're part of the Christmas story, but we're, they're not celebrated. Uh, some places, so we, uh, if you follow the liturgical calendar, uh, January 6th is the Epiphany. Anybody know that? Right. So the, yeah. So um, it's the final day. So we have the 12 days of Christmas. Anybody heard of the 12 days of Christmas? Do you know what the 12 days of Christmas are, besides the partridge in a pear tree, right? So the 12 days of Christmas starts on Christmas Day and ends on January 6th, Epiphany. There you go. So um, the Epiphany is celebrated with special parties, and they have these pastries that have little toys of Jesus in the pastry, right? And yeah, the little baby Jesus is hidden inside. The children leave outside a bowl of water and some grass for the camels. And in the morning when they wake up, there's little gifts in their shoes. That's Epiphany. Yeah. In, uh, in some cultures, instead of going to see Santa at the mall, you go to see the three wise men. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if uh, David and Jean aren't here, they could back me up on that one. It's a South American thing. Uh, so, and I mean, all these things must be right because, look at it, it's a picture. And... There's the stable, there's the shepherds, and there's the wise men. And there's a very big baby, blonde Jesus, right? Uh, so, is it an accurate picture? Right. Mary's looking very calm, right? Uh, the wise men are there. The angels are arrows on the peak of the roof for some reason. It's not an accurate picture. Why is it not an accurate picture? Is the Last Supper an accurate picture? Okay. Shh. Let's read what the Bible says. Stealing my thunder. Stealing my thunder. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So anybody else watch the World Cup this morning? <laughs> oh, there you go. So this is what the scripture has to say about the wise men. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem village, Judah territory, so this is from Matthew 2 in the message version. Uh, this was during Herod's kingship. A band of scholars arrived in Jerusalem from the east. They asked around, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth, and we are on a pilgrimage to worship him. When word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified, and not Herod alone, but most of Jerusalem as well. Herod lost no time. He gathered all the high priests and religious scholars in the city together and asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? They told them, Bethlehem and Judah territory. The prophet Micah wrote it plainly. It's you, Bethlehem and Judah's land, no longer bringing up the rear. From you will come the leader who will shepherd and rule my people Israel. 
So Herod then arranged a secret meeting with the scholars from the east, pretending to be as devout as they were. He got them to tell him exactly when the birth announcement star appeared. And he told them, they told them, or sorry, he told them the prophecy about Bethlehem and said, go find the child, leave no stone unturned, and as soon as you find him, send word and I'll join you once in worship. Instructed by the king, they set off. Then the star appeared again, and the same star that they had seen in the eastern skies, it led them until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They arrived at the right time. And they entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they kneeled and worshipped him, and they opened their luggage and presented gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And in a dream, they were warned not to report back to Herod, so they worked out another route, left the territory without being seen, and returned to their own country. So let's bust some myths this morning about the wise men. Uh, I'm not going to blow anything up, unfortunately. I know, I know, I'm a little disappointed, but uh, I tried cooking bacon once and the fire department showed up. So uh, chances are it's not a good idea to burn something in church. Especially when you're part of the fire department. Okay, so here's the myths. Myth number one, three wise men. Did the Bible that we just read say three guys showed up? No. It said wise men came from the east. It doesn't give a number. The Eastern Orthodox Church says it's 12. But we don't know. We just don't know. It doesn't specifically say. We say three, well, three gifts, three people. Everybody has to bring a gift. It's just the right thing to do. So, but it is just a myth that the Bible is not clear and doesn't really matter whether it's three or 12. Maybe it was a whole entourage. It doesn't, but it doesn't plainly say. So myth number one, busted. They followed a star. Is that what the Bible said at the beginning? It does at the end. It says they followed the star to Bethlehem. But originally... They saw a star, and it heralded the birth, and so they were on a pilgrimage to find it. If they were following the star, why did they end up in Jerusalem? Like, because it was men following the star, and they took a wrong turn, right? And they didn't have anybody to ask directions. Uh, but initially they saw a star. It led them to Jerusalem. Herod pointed them to Bethlehem. And then once they started on the way to Bethlehem, then there was the star that led them and it hovered over the place where Jesus was. All right, so myth number two. Or myth, oh, we're on myth number three already. Don't touch the buttons. <laughs> they were kings. Well, we sing the three, three kings of Orient are. The Bible says, depending on what version you read, scholars, magi, wise men. So they weren't, they weren't kings. The song is wrong. All right, I'm sorry, we Three Kings of Orient Are is not an accurate Christmas song. Much like we saw three ships come sailing in. Come on, really? Um, which other Christmas carols, carols can we debunk this morning? I love Old Little Town of Bethlehem. It's still my favorite. What's that? <laughs> we want that one. So uh, they were not kings. They were probably connected to royalty, but they weren't kings. Uh, they were scholars. They, they had studied the Old Testament scripture. I think that's so fascinating. That here was people not in Jerusalem, not in Israel, but they had access to, the, to what we consider the Old Testament scriptures. And they had studied. 
they they knew about the the scriptures the you know the prophecies about the virgin birth and the star rising and all that they knew it and when it happened they they noted it and and understood what it was about and that kind of pushed them to look at it, it was prophesied it's coming true let's go find it right they they sought after it oh well they got to be from persia you know the the uh, tradition says they were from Persia, India, Africa, the Orient. No. Uh, probably from Arabia. Uh, because based on uh, that area they had in Arabia at that time, they had lots of gold reserves. And there's only certain trees that give you frankincense and myrrh. And they are in that part of Arabia. So um, chances are they didn't come. I mean, can you imagine then? Um, we got Africa down here, we got India over here, we got um, the Orient over here, and somehow these three guys are going to meet up somewhere and all go towards Jerusalem. Like, it doesn't seem very plausible, given that, that time. It's not like they, you know, met on the internet, decided to plan a trip together, got Expedia to get tickets. Um, that didn't happen then. So not from Persia. They rode camels. Come on, every picture you see of them pretty much has camels. Did they ride camels? In that era, camels typically were used for pack animals, not for riding. They came from Arabia. Arabian. There's no equestrian people here. Arabian horses famed throughout the world, right? You don't hear about Arabian camels. You hear about Arabian horses. So chances, chances are better that they actually came on horseback. Maybe they had camels in tow. They were like the donkey of the day. Uh, they had them as pack animals, but they would prob more probably rode on horses. They were at the manger the night of the birth. Well, we just read in Scripture that they weren't. But it's a really uh, convenient depiction when you get everybody together for the picture, right? <laughs> so, uh, yes, like I heard somebody say that the, you know, the Last Supper painting, it was the, the thing that was said before, anybody wants to be in the picture, get on this side of the table, right? Because they didn't eat on all that side of the table. They ate around the table. But the wise men were not at the manger at the night of the birth. The, the Bible says the, the star stopped over the house. Uh, it could have been, like, the, we had the lovely manger picture with the wooden structure and all the animals. Um, there is a chance that it was actually a cave in behind the inn, not a lovely wooden stable. Uh, anybody ever watch Call the Midwife? Right? I cannot watch Call the Midwife because that's just a little too real for me. You know, um, somebody said uh, it was not a silent night. Uh, you know, but all the, all the pictures look so beautiful and so peaceful, and it was a messy night, right? It was a messy night. Um, Joseph was probably asleep first because he was so tra traumatized by this birth. Um, you know, in some places, the men couldn't even be present, right? Um, in my dad's day, like, he was out having a smoke while I was born, you know? So you get called in. Hey, you've had a boy. Better get down here. So those are some myths that are around the wise men that, that really are not scriptural. Now, does it take away from the fact that the wise men um, came? No, it didn't, because I, I think there's some real 
beauty in the story of the wise men apart from the myths. And you can take away the myths, and then you get to some beautiful things that you can learn from the wise men. So what are some of the things we can learn from the wise men? First off, Christ is for everyone. Um, so many of you know that this year I've, I've been reading the Bible chronologically, and I've said it more than once from the platform that I'm, I was amazed when I read through the Old Testament how much God was reaching out to people who were not Jewish. right? And, and even in this situation, the first people to arrive to worship Christ were foreigners. They weren't even Jewish. right? So it just really, again, um, just made me think, yeah, like, God was constantly reaching out, right? And um, God makes the effort to draw everyone to himself. The scripture says that it is his will that none should perish, but all come to repentance. And so even, even at the beginning, when Christ came to earth, God was already reaching out to people who weren't Jewish to, to bring them to himself. And I just think that's a beautiful thing, that Christ is for everyone. Right? It's, it's not a North American thing. It's not an Israel thing. It's not a Jewish thing. It's a world thing. And it, it's a one Savior for all. Right? I think that's an amazing story. And to be the, the three or the twelve or the hundred people, however many were really there that got there first, uh, it was an amazing thing that God was from every, for everyone. Christ deserves our best. So when the, when the entourage showed up, they didn't bring gifts for the baby. They didn't bring disposable diapers and bottles and, you know, onesies and, you know, things that were practical for that newborn baby. They came with gifts for a king. Like, and I think it's so fascinating that they understood that they were looking for the king of the Jews, and here he was, but he was a baby. Right? They, they got that, they already knew what was going on. Right? It wasn't something that, well, we're looking for an adult here. Where's the adult? No, we're looking for the person that was born king of the Jews. And here he was at a baby. Um, so I want to encourage you this morning, don't settle for giving leftovers to God. Right? Uh, when we have things like we're doing this thing for buying gloves and toques and socks uh, for people that are in need, uh, we, Jasmine and I used to pastor in a little home missions church and sometimes you get parcels and I got a jacket one year that was partially made uh, yeah it still had needles in it I had to get it finished like, and I appreciated the gesture but I, I thought like, why, why do we sometimes think that let's just give our used stuff and give our leftovers and that's good enough right? I think we miss something when we don't come with our best Right? We don't put our best foot forward and give our best and be our best because he's worthy of our best. Right? Uh, my kids would tell you that I had this little expression when they were young, if better is possible, good is not enough. Right? Hannah has this blank look. I don't remember that. <laughs> work while you work, play while you play. Right? This machine will rip your arm off and not slow down. There it is. I do safety in the mill. I've been a mill guy for 30 years, so that was my thing to the kids. That machine will rip your arm off and not even slow down. Um, yeah. yeah, and you know, my son used the same thing. He's teaching somebody to be a barista and said, that steam will burn your skin off and not slow down. 
So who says that parenting doesn't make a difference? That's right. Number three, three fingers. He is worthy of our worship. When those, when that entourage showed up, they didn't just come in and give Joseph a big back slap. Hey, good for you being the dad of the king of the Jews. Good job, Mary. Uh, they knelt and bowed and worshipped. They, they didn't wait for that baby to grow up to be worthy of worship. They didn't wait until something happened. They understood when they got there and were confronted with that baby in a manger in swaddling clothes. Not like the picture that showed him just in little underwear, right? Swaddled. Um, they understood that he was worthy of their worship. It wasn't, it wasn't based on what they saw. It wasn't based on something that he'd done for them. I mean, he hadn't done anything from, for them, right? Uh, at that point, probably hadn't done much worthy of anything but a little ooh and ah from a few people. Um, but they, they had this revelation beforehand of who Christ was. And they realized when they saw him that he was worthy of their worship. Uh, one of the authors that I was reading as I was looking up some stuff, he said, revelation leads to worship. So if we, if we have re revealed to us who Christ is, he's worthy of our worship. Apart from what he does, apart from what he's said, apart from anything, he's worthy of our worship. Uh, it's not about the songs that we sing, with apologies to the worship team. Uh, that can help us sometimes get to a, a spot, but it's not because of the worship songs that leads us to worship. It's because it's revealed to us who Christ is and that he's worthy of our worship. Um, it's the revelation of God that, that inspires our worship. So that's my pre-Christmas lessons from the three wise men that aren't really three and weren't necessarily wise. Uh, but you still can't get pictures out of your head. Like, we'll, we'll typically always think of the three wise men. Um, but when we think about them, let's realize that it's, it's part of a tradition that, uh, and we, it's difficult sometimes not to put tradition first, right? And, and my challenge is always, I want to take, I want to let the Bible speak for itself, and I want to, I want to learn from the Bible. And when, it, when we see these traditions, I don't want to just discount them as not important, but I want to see what part of them is real and what part is accurate. It's fine. She's my granddaughter. She's a, uh, there's there's a, a part where we start to think of traditions being as holy as Scripture. And, and that is what we, we need to avoid. There, there is... Um, some places that they have the Holy Scripture and Holy Tradition. And traditions are good, but they're not holy, right? We, we saw in this lesson, like, there was names given to people that, who knows, I don't know where they came from. Maybe, maybe they really were three of the guys that were there. I, I don't know, I can't refute it, but I can say the Bible doesn't say, right? The Bible doesn't say who they were. The Bible doesn't say how many there were. The Bible doesn't say certain things, but yet you can't see a nativity scene without seeing the three wise men there, right? On camels <laughs> or camels. Uh, but we can look at the scripture and let it speak to us 
and we can learn from it. And I, I just think when, when you look at the story of this group of people that came to Christ, um, possibly when he was a toddler, because after, and I'm not going to go into the scripture, when they, they learned in a dream that um, not to go back to Herod, and they went through to another way to get out of the country. So I think it's just fascinating that these people that weren't Jewish were first inspired to follow a star, and then it was revealed to them in a dream not to go back to Herod. Like, I just think that that's an amazing thing. And I, I want to have that kind of plain revelation from God in my life. Right? I, I think that God is just so personal to people and that we don't allow him sometimes the freedom to speak to us because it's not, well, we, you know, ooh, it just gives us the creeps or something. Right, but there were, in the scripture, there was such a plain revelation to people of God from different sources. And I think it's just fascinating that these people who had no relationship, you know, they weren't Jewish and they had this fantastic revelation of who God was and who this baby was of Christ. And so I want to encourage you this Christmas that as we, you know, depart from this place, that Christ is for everyone. This is, a, this is a tough time of year for some people, right? But realize that Christ is enough for everyone. And if you know people who are struggling at this time of year, reach out to them, encourage them, love them, because that's what Christ would do, and that Christ is for everyone. And as we, we go through it, re recall that uh, the wise men show us that he deserves your best, that it's your best foot forward. Next year, as you come into, you know, I don't know if you make New Year's resolutions. I do not. Um, but determine in your heart to put your best foot forward for Christ because he deserves your best. And even, you know, when we do traditional things like sing Christmas carols on a Sunday morning, that he is worthy of our worship. And, those, and he, apart from what he has done, apart from all the beautiful things that he does, that he is worthy of our worship just for who he is. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.